This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. This is the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Live and local in the morning from 6 to 9, covering all of your favorite teams with analysis and opinions to carry you through the morning on the Blitz 1170 and streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app. We want to hear from you. Tweet slash X us at the Blitz 1170 or the text line is always open at 918-262-5072. Now it's time for the Morning Blitz. Here's Rick Corey. Well, good morning and welcome into a Monday, a Monday after another big weekend of football. I don't know about you, but it was nice. It was nice to concentrate on some high school Friday, a little bit of college Friday, too. And then, of course, college football and then a great NFL weekend that was capped off by just a whale of a game last night and a bunch of celebrity sightings in New York. Not that that's unusual, but where they were in the box watching the Jets, maybe a little bit unusual. Welcome in 601. I'm Rick Corey. That is Scott File right there in the next room. We're both in the Tulsa Oilers hockey studio, and we will certainly take your response today as well at 918-262-5072 as we uh, roll into a week where we have Oklahoma, Texas. For the last time in the Big 12, and maybe one of the more important games between the two in a long time in game day. Is going to Dallas, Scott. That uh, not a surprise. And boy, is the atmosphere set. This should be one whale of a football game. This could be the biggest OU Texas. I don't want to say ever, but this could be the biggest one in a long time because oh, no obviously doubt. the winner is going to be in the driver's seat to at least play for a Big Twelve title, mm-hmm. and could also be in the driver's seat to make the CFP. Well, and so, even you know, I wonder, and I wondered this this weekend. I wonder if the Big 12 is in kind of an SEC position with these two. Now, Oklahoma is only ranked 12 right now. I say only. They are on their way up, but at 12. uh, And proved, certainly, that they're worth that ranking with a spanking of Iowa State. And we'll get a little bit of Brent Venables here today as well. Not only do they prove that right there, but they're moving up the rankings. You wonder, let's say Oklahoma beats Texas. Texas, of course, ranked much higher at this point. Let's say Oklahoma beats Texas. They drop a little, and the Sooners jump a bit. You might have the Big 12 with those two in a position. Well, no, you won't because the Big 12 title game. I started to say both could you could lose and still make the title game. But if you did that and then you repeated these two, well, you could, you still you could. could. The loser could, still yeah. could make the Big 12 championship game. It could, uh, uh, but then but then whoever lost that one would likely be out of the CFP. Yes. So you're not in a position, you know, the SEC. No, there's no way you could make both. Probably not. It, for, you know, first, I thought to myself, maybe they're there, and you're right, they, they aren't, because the SEC's done that. They've had those situations mm-hmm. where, you know, they both make it. You get a Ohio State and Michigan together, you know, like the Big Ten has done it, but probably not in this situation. However, this telling game. Now, the loser of this game, if Texas loses, they're not done, certainly, and neither would the Sooners be because of the, of the championship game but you would uh, you certainly have more of a comeback if you're Oklahoma you drop uh, m- more significantly but the way the Sooners dispatched Iowa State was impressive now and Texas was was just more than fine too themselves in their win and, and boy Quinn Ewers showed everybody he could actually run the football too all right so also this weekend Colorado uh, you know looked like they're just going to get blown out and what a statement comeback they lost and there's no such thing as a moral victory as you've heard coaches say over and over again but what a comeback back by Colorado and then uh, you listen to Prime afterwards and you realize the guy really does kind of know what he's doing. Okay, we'll get into those things plus a couple of upsets in college football plus from the NFL if you didn't stay up to see the way the Chiefs and Jets ended, 
I will play you one of the more controversial plays. And, of course, Scott, we will look into the booth where not just Taylor Swift, but other um, of her ilk were hanging around watching the game. It is funny. There were the, If you watched, have you seen the videos of the um, tailgate? It, it was half Jets fans. Well, it's probably 40% Jets fans, 20% Chiefs fans, and 40% Taylor Swift fans. There were nothing. I mean, there were Swifties all over the tailgate as though they were going to a concert just to get a glimpse. And by the way, last night just again proved how I think this is a sham because not only did all of a sudden do you see all these celebrities that yep. are just kind of hanging around. Yep. Also, I didn't realize this. Taylor Swift has a concert movie coming out mm-hmm. in a couple of days. And guess what one of the first commercials was for her C- concert, concert movie. movie. So this yeah. just... I'm I'm still, this is all just a sham and publicity stuff. <laughs> For Scott, this is nothing more than a reality TV. Oh, well, we'll get into that one a little bit. The Ryder Cup got feisty over the weekend. I don't know if you saw Rory McIlroy. He, Rory looked like a guy who just went to pick up his Bentley and found a scratch on it. You know, right there in the parking lot when they were uh, trying to get to, trying to leave. And he he goes after, well, didn't go after. They had to hold him back a little bit. But he was screaming at an American caddy who, by the way, had nothing to do with what happened on the course. We'll explain what happened on the course as well. We'll look into the AP Top 25, as we mentioned. I, t- I said we'd get a little bit of Brent Venables. Plus, we have postseason baseball set as well and a firing in baseball. Now, what, what are we going to be doing this morning? Well, at 6.30 this morning, Marty Smith of ESPN is going to be with us. You know Marty. Uh, he of the spiky hair and uh, college football. And, of course, he uh, has a couple of other shows on the side. Marty was here uh, for the PGA last year, and I had a chance to visit with him at the PGA. He's a, a budding golfer, and we'll talk to Marty about a little college football. At 6.50, it's this day in sports history with Scott. 7.30, Lauren Montgomery from Bixby. They remain number one, but another shuffling in the rankings after the weekend. Jinx's upset loss uh, had a lot to do with that. Union's just absolute throttling of UConn and Owasso's big win as well. We'll get into that. John Walker, the Stillwater News Press with us today, and Mike Boynton, the Oklahoma State head basketball coach, will be with us today as well. We'll preview basketball for Oklahoma State, which you'll hear right here on the Blitz because it is almost time to get underway. All right, so Scott, I know you had some work to do this weekend, as did I. However, when you were watching football, what did you focus on? Uh, well, obviously, the big thing is with, with TU playing Thursday and, uh, you know, OSU off, the biggest thing was OU, and they took care of business. Uh, the other kind of thing that I kind of took notice of, and this is probably kind of out in the weeds, and I may have been the only pe- person that kind of watched this. First of all, I was watching, uh, I was flipping between the OU and the Air Force game. Mm-hmm. And again, I probably was the only person doing this, but Air Force 5-0 and for the first time yep. in a long time. And then... I'm watching the big things a, a pair of former TU guys are doing. We've had G.J. Kinney on. Mm-hmm. Texas State coming off a big win yep. over Southern Miss. They're 4-1. Yep. And don't look now, but UNLV is also 4-1 out in the Mountain West. And Brendan Marion has that offense clicking right mm-hmm. now that out go, in Vegas. Yeah, the go-go offense that he created at Pitt. And then he took with him to Texas, and now he's out at UNLV. You know, a lot of iterations of offenses, and this is just another minor iteration of it. But he has, he does have it rolling. And, you know, he was – I think he was at least talked about when they hired Kevin Wilson. You can't argue with the hiring of Kevin Wilson at all. But I think I think Brendan was at least talked about. And there were, there were several times in the last, I don't know, seven, eight years when Brendan wanted to get back to Tulsa as, say, a coordinator – 
and it just never worked out for whatever reason. But you got to be happy for Brandon. Yeah, he's got Barry Odom's offense rolling right he does. now. And who would have thought UNLV would be four and one? Yep. But that, yep. That's yep. kind yep. of what kind of jumped out to me. And like I said, I'm probably the only person that was really paying attention to that. But that's really what I was was watching. I got up Saturday morning. I didn't get back from UConn until you know twelve thirty in the morning Saturday after the uh, Union game. The, the, not that the game went terribly long and you know union put up 500 and what 70 yards of offense in that game but there was a lot of touchdowns a lot of scoring there was a lot of timeouts uh so it didn't it's not that that but you know uconn's a good ways out there and you be careful on the way home right so i roll into the house but i'm telling you man i got up and then it was nothing but trying to watch am am arkansas which sam Pittman, what are you thinking on the fourth down call the one fourth i mean for goodness sake you're at your own what 38 39 yard line oof you know, and right now, the difference in well, there's several differences in College Station. The big one of the biggest is they're playing defense, and that those five stars they lost a lot of five stars, but a lot of those guys on the defensive line stayed. And if you didn't watch any of Walter Nolan, holy cow, is he impressive! I'm telling you, and I'm going to say this, and people are going to ooh, you can't. And I'm not saying he's the same guy, but he's got some of the same skill set as Leroy Selman. He can run. He's a and he's not as tall as Leroy was. But that dude can run for a big defensive lineman, and he is mobile and aggressive, and oh, man. They played defense there and dispatched Arkansas, and I was going back and forth on that one and a couple of others. Uh, So I watched a good – I think I watched a total of – I easily had to watch – Four complete games, but I say complete because you're getting, you know, kind of flipping back and forth. Uh, watched a lot of Colorado-USC at the same time, you know, going back and forth between those two. And I saw a really interesting tweet I want to get into, too, about Caleb Williams, USC, and Oklahoma that we'll get into over the weekend. Much, much, much to do. It is 610 here on the Blitz 1170. He's Scott File. I'm Rick Corey. 918-262-5072. Which did you watch this weekend? What were you most impressed by? Let us know what you're thinking. 918-262-5072. That is the text line. Remember, on Wednesday, we will honor the best in high school football with the Athlete of the Week presented by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Oklahoma. That'll happen right around 8 a.m. Wednesday morning right here on the Blitz 1170. And Dan Patrick today as well. You'll hear Dan coming up about 9 o'clock. Rich Eisen follows that. Of course, the show with Pop and Colby from 3 to 6 this afternoon as they'll wrap up a college football and an NFL football weekend and preview Monday night football for us as well. I want to remind you, too, that Pumpkin Town Farms is open again. It's fun for everybody. We drove by a couple of times this weekend, and my goodness, <laughs> busy does not describe it. It's a, it's a cool place. You've got the maze to go through. They've got the petting barns, all kinds of cool stuff. Pick your pumpkins out there as well. And we have a way for you to get four tickets. That's right, four tickets. Just go to theblitztulsa.com and find out how to win four tickets right now to Pumpkin Town. All right, at uh, 617, Rick Corey along with Scott File here in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. All right, so one of the things that happened last night, not only was Taylor Swift there, of course, and, and by the way, it wasn't just her, Blake Lively, Hugh Jackman, Ryan Reynolds, Sophie Turner, all those folks in attendance last night at the game, and they had they made a big deal out of uh, Taylor having a night on the town before with with Sophie Turner and her her gal pals, <laughs> Blake Lively. I can't believe. <laughs> I'm telling you, Swifties are going to make this. As a matter of fact, I can't wait to see the ratings. Uh, Swifties are going to make these Kansas City Chiefs games some of the most watched games in the history of the NFL. So the overnighters ought to be out fairly soon, Scott, so we'll be able to find out. But we do know the tailgate area was half Swift fans, as it was, and there were a lot of tickets sold last night by Taylor Swift fans who just wanted to get a view of her last night. By the way, the uh, big scuttlebutt that is probably confirming what Scott said, too, about this all being fake is 
the two didn't leave the stadium together. Travis Kelsey, in just a white T-shirt and a hat, took pictures with fans and then boarded the team bus while she left with her celebrity pals. So now the question is... See, they're all hitching the coattails onto her and... Well, it's New York, right? So now the question is, was there some secret after party? Well, I'm Were, sure there was. Did they, did they gather again together afterwards in some little nook and cranny, some little you know, tea no, house? No, because they would have made it public somehow. <laughs> Somebody would have seen it and... It would have made it. sure it got noticed and publicized. So, you don't think they went to some backwater speakeasy to get inside and knock back some no. cheap? Well, he had booze? he had to get back to Kansas City. So, <laughs> did I he? Mean, Wait, you don't have to necessarily go with the team. I thought, you, I thought you had to fly the charter flight. I, I believe you can. Well, you can ask to to fly separately and do do your own thing. You know, you don't have to go with the team, but you do have to at least ask. I don't. Know, there's no NFL rule says you got to fly on the same plane they do. At any rate, it made the uh, made the headlines again. Uh, all right, so <laughs> that being said, what really happened in the game last night was significant. Had a lot more to do with a call than it did anything else. Scott File, make my computer live, and let's listen to this key moment from last night. Mahomes in the pocket, zings it to the right sideline. It's going to be intercepted. Intercepted on the far side. Flag on the play as the uh, the interceptor, Michael Carter. Holding defense number 11. It's a five yard penalty, automatic first down. A third and 20 interception wiped out. They called that on Sauce Gardner last night and they called the holding there. Now, that was one of a couple of, of really key moments in that game last night. Mahomes also had a big third down run that was key last night for Kansas City. That was a huge moment right there. And, um, you know, Scott, I've seen the play. I don't know if you've seen the play yet. No, I have not. I only saw bits and pieces of the first half. Yeah, so. watch the play, and look, I got to tell you, I don't know what's interference and what's not interference anymore. And, and in this case, they called holding, right? You know you know the difference of holdings before the ball's thrown and such. And I mean, I, as I looked at it over and over again, would you, can you call it holding? Yes, you absolutely could. Could you not hold it, call it holding? Absolutely. You know, and I, some, one of the things I'd love to talk to Clay about, and Clay, of course, um, we, we, you know, right here in, from Jinx, Oklahoma, he's a referee in the NFL. He was one of the fastest track guys to ever do it, as a matter of fact. And it, it was, I, I wonder, Scott, how much of it is just still your your opinion as an official. Now, I know there's a hard and fast rule, but then you still interpret that rule with your eyes about how much somebody got in somebody's way. And there are nuances to all these rules, too. I mean, did he did he keep him from getting to the ball? Is the ball catchable at all? In this case, if you watch the replay, he's tr- the Jets receiver is trying to break inside initially. And I don't know if he's running, you know, say a post corner, and that's why he was trying to break inside and break back outside. But there's no question that Sauce Gardner had hands on him. And there's no question that he, uh, if you will, got in the way of his route at some point. But the ball was thrown to the outside, and that's where the interception happened, not to the inside. It went to the outside. And, again, if he's trying to run the post corner, you could make the argument that he impeded his progress in doing it. But I, I could easily see that not being called as well because nowadays, you, I mean, getting called for PIs nowadays, you almost have to undress a guy. Uh, it's what the amount of contract the NFL and colleges allow, not quite so much in high school yet, but in colleges, I'm I don't know that I even know what pass interference is anymore, Scott. Having seen some that were called and some that were not, that might have looked exactly the same. 
Are we uh, are we in a place where we just aren't sure? To me, pass interference and you know offensive and defensive pass interference. To me, that's kind of like holding nowadays. You could call it on every single play because if you watch, well, I shouldn't say every. Obviously, you can't you really can't call it on running plays, but on passing plays. But if you watch, there's a lot of hand fighting. There's a lot of jersey grabbing. There's a lot of arm hooking on both sides, offense and defense. So I don't know. Maybe the NFL needs to like try and clarify what is actually. I don't. I don't know, but this is kind of this doesn't quiet the conspiracy theorists who believe that the NFL is fixed. I don't think it's fixed, but when you have calls like this, they're kind of questionable, and it kind of doesn't silence that crowd very much. I yeah, I don't believe it's fixed necessarily myself either. I I just don't get the calls anymore. I, I'm not sure I, I understand. And again, I think a lot of it is going to be. Um, Interpretation. Did the guy really get in the way of the route? Did he impede his progress? Those kinds of things. Now, if you looked at the game last night, you had to be impressive with what the Jets did, and you had to be impressed with Zach Wilson. Oh, the de- well, yes, both the defense played their butts off, and yeah, Zach Wilson made huge strides yesterday. Twenty-eight to thirty-nine, uh, two hundred forty-five yards. He had two touchdowns, no picks. He literally outplayed Patrick Mahomes until Mahomes made the you know the really big run which they needed. They had to have that to get where they were going. Um, other than that, until that point, he looked really, really good. You know, And they ran it well, as you said. They, they played their tails off overall. Mahomes was 18 of 30, uh, one touchdown, two picks, you know, 203 yards. But he did, again, have that gigantic run. Uh, by the way, Mahomes did come the fastest to 200 touchdown passes in his career which is, you know, obviously a highlight. And then Andy Reid tied a guy that you might be familiar with, and if you're not, you really should use Google, named Tom Landry. 250 regular season wins, tied for fourth all time. Uh, so that's that's big deal right there as well. And the Chiefs just keep finding ways to win. And anytime you're a defending champion and everybody's going to give you their best shot, if you can win ugly, win pretty, win easily, win roughly, doesn't matter. But that's what they're doing. They're finding ways to win. And against you know that was not a great game last night. It was a bit sloppy for everybody out there. And yet you found a way to win. Got a little help at the end. Found a way to win. And by the way, Patrick Mahomes is on some hate lists this morning from betters because <laughs> that was a, uh, um, let's just say, he, when he slid at the end, you know, he breaks free at the end and he could run for a touchdown. And instead he slides. And he slides so they can get up, get a first down, which they had, and then run the clock out rather than score and then kick back to the Jets. So the Chiefs were seven-and-a-half-point favorites. Well, they're up by three, and that score is going to give you nine. Guess what's going to happen? You know, betters are going to win. Instead, he slides. He slides. It remains 23-20, and so the Chiefs don't cover the seven and a half. And there are betters everywhere today hating on Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> you wonder, too, they'll never admit this, but how much of a distraction has the whole Taylor Swift been to that Kansas City clubhouse? Because – Every time there's a press availability or any 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 time those guys talk to media, that's all they're asked about. Well, guys and, all over the league. I and, mean, and, the- and and so how much is that really starting to wear? Like Patrick Mahomes, from what I saw, now granted, like I said, I only got to see bits and pieces of the first half. From what I saw, he just doesn't look the same. And I, I'm not saying that this is you know he's distracted on it, but there was a famous picture of the shot from the, from the suite where Taylor Swift and the celebrities are cheering. 
and you see Brittany Holmes sitting in front of her, and she's just like, just incredulous. You can tell she just hates being there, and you wonder <laughs> how much is this really having an effect on the clubhouse? Maybe it's not. Maybe mm. I'm just overthinking this, but it's just when this is just wearing on, and this is all your guys are getting asked about. I, to me, it's just a huge distraction. Pretty much everybody in the NFL, it's all they're getting asked about. Yep, maybe so. At 918-262-5072, we'll take your opinion as well. It is 626 here on the Blitz 1170. Marty Smith of ESPN coming up in just a moment. They drive to work. I'm Rick Corey with Scott File here in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. Now, we are very proud to welcome to our hotline Marty Smith from ESPN. Big day for Marty Smith because a brand new book comes out, Sideline CEO. We want to talk a little bit about that, Marty. First of all, welcome. We haven't spoken to you. I got a chance to visit with you at the PGA when you were here in Tulsa. You miss our city yet? What a great, what a great town. Um, I, I loved it there. I loved so much about it. Uh, the fans were amazing down there, and I love that like Greenway thing you guys have on the <laughs> Riverwalk there. Yep. Uh, there, there's what's that? What's that steakhouse in that alley that has the cow hanging out front? Cool. <laughs> Are you talking about Bowling Alley, possibly? Yeah, man. Yeah, that place is hot. I like that place. <laughs> um, but it really is a wonderful place, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed myself there. I, I think I was there for eight or nine days during PGA mm-hmm. week and leading up to the tournament. And so everybody there just treated us wonderfully. Love yeah. that place. Well, we had a good time talking a little golf with you there and some high, some college football as well. And, hey, look, before we get to your book and football, <laughs> golf made a little bit more news over the weekend. We almost turned it into a little WWE over there at the Ryder Cup. Did you uh, see Rory's explosion? <laughs> I loved it. I loved it, man. It was interesting, though, how, you know, Patrick Cantley was very quick uh, after his tremendous performance yesterday to refute so much of, of what everybody was losing their minds about mm-hmm. uh, between the hat thing and the dissension among the American team. Uh, Cantley, I mean, he straight up said that's just nothing but a lie. Mm-hmm. So he denies it. Uh, you know, Rory um, saying that he had not yet uh, seen Joe LaCava after his round. It was just really interesting how much drama came out of that. There's always drama at the Ryder Cup. It is one of the most – I mean, I, I can't get enough of it. Mm-hmm. I just – I'm sitting there on Saturday morning preparing to host SEC Nation, one of the biggest games of the weekend, Lexington, Kentucky, as the Gators come to town. And I just – I mean, I got my – I got the Ryder Cup on my phone. I'm trying to look at my computer. I can't pay attention because I look over and see Scotty Scheffler pumping his fist in the air. I'm like, how am I supposed to prepare here? <laughs> but just a wonderful event and, and honestly one I've not seen. And I, it's, all, it's, it's one of those bucket list things that I have to do. And uh, hopefully next year, maybe I might be able to sneak up to Beth Page. Who knows? Yeah, pardon me, two years from now. That'd be fun. Marty Smith of ESPN with us. We want to talk about his brand new book. It's Sideline CEO, Wisdom from Championship Coaches. And, you know, Marty, I've talked to a lot of high school and college coaches, and you know, I've done college football for a lot of years myself. And one of the things I've always really been appreciative of is – a program. I mean, to me, that's that's what this is about. X's and O's are one thing, but it's building a program. And among the people you talk to, and I'm looking here at Nick Saban and you know Leonard Hamilton and Tom Izzo and Frank Beamer, but Patty Gasso is in there. And of course, around here, she's pretty famous for what she has done in her softball team. What I want to ask you is, what did you take from these coaches to kind of, if you will, equate that to the CEO and running of a program or a business? Everything. Uh, they are CEOs. 
if you are if you are one of those individuals, um, you know, Coach Saban, Dabo Sweeney, Mac Brown, Roy Williams, John Calipari, Urban Meyer, Tom Izzo, Joe Gibbs, on and on. I mean, it's the book is gen, genuinely a who's who, and I had never met Coach Gasso before I interviewed her for this project, and she, I was very taken by her spirit and her soul and her compassion and her empathy for the young ladies that she coaches on a daily basis and how she's had, you know, she's had such an unbelievable tenure, you know, seven national championships obviously is historic. It's hall of fame level, but it is the evolution of the person over all of those years into this person that is leading now as leading as well or better than ever in a very different era than that which she started. And I admire that so much. She just, you know, when you're when you're talking to 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 Izzo or you're talking to Calipari, they'll tell you that when you know that you've reached the team. If you're a CEO, if you're an executive level, whether you're a coach, you're a, a business executive. When it becomes player run, that's when you know you've got them. And it was fascinating to me that Coach Gasso seems to have that so quickly with the way that she leads those young ladies. Now, granted, obviously they're some of the best athletes in the country. That's how they get to Oklahoma in the first place. But, man, I, I just she, – she impressed me so deeply, and I'm grateful that she took the time with someone she had, had not ever met and entrusted me with – her tutelage and wisdom and the spirit of both and the context of both that I would be a good steward of her words and her spirit. And she, I, 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 I'm thoroughly impressed. Yeah, that's a, that is one of the most genuine people you'll ever meet. It is about 639 on the Blitz 1170 talking to ESPN. And, well, Marty, gosh, you have, must have about 20 jobs. <laughs> but Marty Smith, ESPN, and many. How it feels sometimes, brother. Yeah, trust me, I get it, and many others. Scott Files with me, Scott. In the CFP era, it's been a real chore for the Pac-12 to get any kind of semblance or traction for to get a team in the Final Four now, this year, you can argue that the Pac-12 is the best conference in the country and could possibly get two teams in. What do you think has been the resurgence of the Pac-12 this year in, in its last year of existence? Uh, wonderful point, and it's funny. I, I have this whole thing in the book where, I mean, 19 of the 20 people in the book told me trust is the foundation most important factor in victory and in building cultures and in leading. The other one was Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin said, yeah, trust is important, but talent is number one. Mm -hmm. It's the end all, be all. If you ain't got dudes, you ain't winning. Well, the Pac-12 is loaded with dudes. Oregon is awesome. Washington is awesome. SC is good offensively. Uh You know, Caleb Williams, I heard Matt Leinart say this weekend that he's the best college quarterback he's ever seen. And that is, I mean, that's Matt Leinart. That dude's got hardware. So I just look at it like I really, really like Penix a ton. I I mean, Bo Nix has been playing college football since, you know, (laughs) Bobby Hurley was at Duke playing point guard, I think. But (laughs) nonetheless, uh, really good quality physical football teams that can compete with 
the SECs or the Big Ten Easts of the world. I, I feel like more often than not, the SEC West is the most difficult, complete division in sports. I think the Big Ten East this year, you know, with Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, all of which are great, uh, I have a lot to say about that. But, yeah, I, lo- I love what they're doing out West. And, you know, I didn't even mention Utah. Yep. Oregon State is hooping with DJ Uyunglele. So it's fun. And Washington State as well, yeah. All right, so uh, back to the book here, Sideline CEO Wisdom from Championship Coaches. Today's the release date, I know, and we'll get into I mean, You can get it, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, anywhere you can buy books, good old uh, Barnes & Noble, of course, Amazon, and places like that. But if there's a message in here that you thought was unanimous from everybody and you thought, hmm. I mean, a lot of these messages, Marty, will be things like, yeah, I've heard this, or, or guys have said this, ladies have said this. Is there a message in here that's kind of united about all these that might have either surprised you or you thought, oh, I hadn't considered that it's it is interesting you know it, it i think in its totality um what interested me most is that there are foundation threads and through lines in this book you may think you've heard it before you know especially sports reporters but this ain't a sports book this is a life book this is a book that if you are a business person you can inject into your daily walk as a leader i've done it as a father and husband i mean forget being a reporter and host and so ultimately it comes down to leadership is not power leadership is influence so are you someone who through trust of your words follow through on those words with action can bring people with you can you influence them to come with you to complete a task. And that does, especially when they don't believe they can do it themselves. That's why I wrote the book in the first place, is because I've had a wonderfully blessed life, but it took people showing me that I was capable of doing that when I didn't think I was capable of doing that. So, look, I, I think that most people would get so much out of it and I hope you guys go buy it. Release date was actually last Tuesday. Okay, uh, it's doing it's doing well. I'm grateful for that. I hope all of you listening in Greater Tulsa and throughout Oklahoma uh, head over to Barnes and Noble or Books a Million or Amazon and, and buy it because I think it will have a, a great impact on your walk. I've already I already have it personally and it just started it uh, but did start it already started to see as you said some of those similarities in there. Marty before you go a couple of superlatives about this year. What's the best story right now in college football? Um I think that there are several. Uh I still love what Dion's doing. Um I think that despite the fact that they've lost a couple in a row here which was expected based on uh, again, going back to talent, what he's done there is one of the most difficult things there is to do, and that's to walk into an inept, irrelevant culture and flip it immediately. And the way he's done it is what I'm so taken by. Uh, he's done it through fundamental human desire, and that is hope and belonging. We all want hope and belonging in this life, and he has done such a tremendous job of injecting that not just into his team, program, university, state. Uh, he's done it on an individual level with each of those players. You can see it the way he coaches. And 
we all want to be part of something in this life, and we forget that. We forget that with winning and losing and all of the drama and storyline. We forget that reaching those young people on their level, this applies to any business leader, you reach them where they are because that's how you find the best version of them. And it's uh, he's remarkable at it. He's done a great job. I mean, one of the biggest stories in sports for sure. I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers, Achilles tendon, mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey, and T. Swift. <laughs> Dion. And, you know, and my producer here, Scott, he believes that the whole Travis Kelsey and T. Swift, he thinks that whole thing's a put on just to get attention. Well, it's working, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's. If, if that's hey, if that's what it's for, fellas, they they're smarter than us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that well, yeah. That, everybody's smarter than me, Marty. All right, a couple things before you go. Let's get into let's get into some locals here. Um, Brent Venables a turnaround of Oklahoma. Mike Gundy struggle right now at Oklahoma State, and suddenly Kevin Wilson's put Tulsa back on the map a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, Oklahoma State just surprises me, man. I love Coach Gundy. I, I love how that program really does take its identity from him and his identity and his personality. But uh, they're on the struggle bus bad. Um, and it, it looks like it's a – it doesn't look like a one or two small things that need some fixing. You know, they're, they're getting boat raced pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, Coach Venables uh, is awesome. I've known him for a very long time since he was the D.C. at Clemson when I was spending so much time in Death Valley during their national championship period. Um, he's a phenomenal leader. He's recruiting at a very high level. Uh, they're doing a, a really good job there. And, the, uh, uh, like, I love Levy. I'm, I'm, I'm actually surprised he's not a head coach yet. He's going to be in a cup of coffee or two. And uh, Tulsa's a, a – I mean, I, I marvel at, at that place man i remember reading that dennis bird book when i was a kid Mm -hmm. and i've always been all the way since then i've been fascinated by Tulsa. and then i got to cover them when uh, coach montgomery was there in the myrtle beach bowl a couple years ago and uh i'm 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 impressed with what they're doing down there too but ou has a real chance Mm -hmm. um they're 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 the truth and this weekend we're gonna find out a lot because texas it could be argued as the best team in America. Yeah, they are as, as complete as anybody. All right, the book is called Sideline CEO, Wisdom from Championship Coaches. It is Marty Smith of ESPN, all the people we talked about, uh, and more, as a matter of fact. Doc Rivers, you mentioned Roy Williams, all of them right there, Jimbo Fisher, Beamer, Mac Brown. You can find it at Barnes & Noble, find it at Books A Million, find it at Amazon, but make sure you find it and enjoy it. Marty, you're a busy dude. We appreciate your time, and good luck on the sales here. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys giving me a platform. Yeah. And again, love your town. Yeah, Y'all have a great week. You too. Thank you very much. That's Marty Smith of ESPN. It is 649 here on the Blitz 1170. I'm Rick Corey along with Scott File and the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. We've got ways for you to win some Dallas Cowboys tickets. Would you like to do that? Cowboys winner again yesterday. We'll get into some NFL here in a few minutes because there were some statements made and uh, a couple of maybe non-statements too from the NFL. Let's first of all tell you how you can win some Cowboys tickets. There are two different ways. You can go out on Thursday and see the show. That's Pop and Colby as they will broadcast from River Spirit Casino from the Scoreboard Sports Bar. And they'll have a little QR code out there you can scan. But you can also just do this. Pick up your phone right now and you just text Dallas to the to 918-262-5072. 
Text the word Dallas to 918-262-5072. And as soon as you did or do, you are signed up to win a pair of tickets to see the Dallas Cowboys. That and other cool things. Plus, I've got stuff to give away a little later on today. All right, 650 on the Blitz 1170. We will take ourselves a break and come back with this day in sports history. Then we're going to get into some of that NFL yesterday. Did you see what Baker Mayfield did? And you probably saw what the Cowboys did. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was uh, certainly a bounce back from what happened in the desert against Arizona. That's going to come up. And we'll also have some around sports after we do this day in sports history. Still to come, Lauren Montgomery, the head football coach at Bixby. And at 8.30 this morning, Mike Boynton, the head basketball coach at Oklahoma State. 6.57 on the Blitz 11.70. It's a Monday drive to work, about 68 degrees outside, at near 90 degrees today. Last week, they had us at like 88s and 85s all week long. That looks like it's going to be a little little cooler than that and possibly some rain along the way. We'll obviously keep you updated as we go along. Right here on the Blitz 11.70, reminding you, you can get yourself a couple of tickets to see the Washington Commanders, who, by the way, nearly pulled the upset yesterday. Take on the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving. That's right. On Thanksgiving in Dallas, AT&T Stadium, how would you like to be there for that traditional game between the Cowboys and Washington? Oh, that'd be great. How would you like to do that, though, and also get $500 spending cash? Oh, that'd be even better. Well, all you have to do is go by and see the guys who do the show, Pop and Colby. That is Jeremy Poplin and Colby, Daniel Scores. Go out and see them at the River Spear Casino at the Scoreboard Sports Bar on Thursday. They'll be out there broadcasting the show 3 to 6, and you can go out there, and there's a way for you to sign up right out there, including the QR code we talked about. Go see them, and you have a chance to sign up right here on the Blitz 1170. All right, that's 658 still to come at 730. Lauren Montgomery, the Bixby head football coach. We'll talk OSU with John Walker from the Stillwater News Press at 810. And at 830, Mike Boynton, Oklahoma State basketball. You, of course, once again will hear Cowboy basketball right here on the blitz 1170 in the meantime scott's all warmed up and ready to do this scott file has so many things filed away in his brain he has to let some of it out to keep his head from exploding he lets it out once a day with this day in sports history on the blitz 1170 seriously the dude is like the history channel rain man of sports trivia all right let's start in the year 1906 with canadian world heavyweight boxing champ tommy burns knocks out american challenger fireman jim flynn in 15 rounds to retain his title in los angeles 1908 addy joss of the cleveland naps tosses a perfect game against the chicago white Sox. the future hall of famer wins a one to nothing decision over ed walsh in one of the greatest pitching duels in major league history Joss strikes out only three batters while Walsh fans 15. 1916, pitching in his third start in five days, Philadelphia Phillies right-hander Grover Cleveland Alexander records his 20th century MLB record 16th shutout of the year. It's a 2-0 win against the Boston Braves. 1919, the Chicago White Sox lose game two of the World Series 4-2 to the Cincinnati Reds. Lefty Williams, one of the eight Sox players involved in the series-fixing scandal, Walks three men in the fourth inning. After the game, he is confronted and attacked by Sox catcher Ray Schalk. 1920, Cincinnati Reds and Pittsburgh Pirates play the first and only Major League Baseball triple header in the 20th century. Reds win the first two games 13-4 and 7-3. Pirates avoid the sweep in the finale 6-0. 1921, New York Yankees outfielder Babe Ruth hits the then-record 59th home run and a 7-6 win over his former club, Boston Red Sox, at the Polo Grounds. 1932, the New York Yankees win their 12th consecutive World Series game and sweep the Fall Classic for the third time. The Bronx Bombers bang out 19 hits 
as they route the Chicago Cubs 13-6 at Wrigley Field. 1936, the Yankees score a World Series record 18 runs in an 18-4 route of the rival New York Giants in Game 2 at the Polo Grounds. Yankees would go on to win this series 4-2. Also in 36, Tulsa scores the winning runs in the top of the ninth to beat Dallas 7-5 in the championship game of the Texas League playoffs. 1938, future Baseball Hall of Fame pitcher Bob Feller strikes out a record 18 Detroit Tigers. His Cleveland Indians, though, still lose 4-1 at Cleveland Stadium. 1947, Yankees catcher Yogi Berra hits the first pinch hit home run of World Series history and does it off Ralph Branca in the seventh inning of a 9-8 loss to the Brooklyn Dodgers at Game 3. 1950, Bob Shaw of the Chicago Cardinals sets an NFL record with five touchdown receptions in a 55-13 win over the Baltimore Colts. Cardinals quarterback Jim Hardy throws six touchdown passes in the win. 1963, Sandy Koufax of the Dodgers sets a World World Series record by striking out 15 batters in Game 1 against the Yankees. Dodgers win the game 5-2 behind Koufax's six-hit outing. 1966, more Koufax again. This time he wins his 27th game of the season and the final game of his career. Koufax's 6-3 win over the Phillies clinches the National League pennant for the Dodgers. 1968, one of the most memorable World Series performances ever, Bob Gibson of the St. Louis Cardinals strikes out 17 Detroit Tigers. Gibson sets the World Series record for most strikeouts in a single game, which, as we just heard, was set on this date in 63 by Koufax. Leads the Cardinals to a 4-0 victory over Tigers ace and Cy Young Award winner Denny McClain. 1969, the Seattle Pilots play their last game in Seattle, and they crash to their 98th loss of the season, 3-1 in Oakland. In front of just 5,400 fans, they would move to Milwaukee as the Brewers next season. 1970, a tragic day as 14 members of the Wichita State football team are killed in a plane crash in the Rocky Mountains. 1972, in the first game of a doubleheader, Montreal's Bill Stoneman no-hits the New York Mets for a 7-0 Expos win at Jerry Park, the first Major League no-hitter ever pitched in Canada. Mets win the second game, though, 2-1. 1974, Hank Aaron hits his final home run as a member of the Atlanta Braves, who beat the Cincinnati Reds 13-0. Phil Necro pitches the shutout for the 20th win of the season. 1978, a day Red Sox fans want to forget. Bucky Dent in his home run helped the New York Yankees beat the Boston Red Sox in a dramatic one-game playoff at Fenway Park, trailing by two runs in the seventh inning. Dent smacks that famous three-run shot against Mike Torres into the screen above the Green Monster. Yankees hold on for a 5 word victory en route to face the Royals in the ALCS and the Dodgers in the World Series. 1980, 38-year-old Muhammad Ali comes out of a two-year retirement to challenge undefeated world heavyweight champ Larry Holmes at Caesars Palace in Vegas. Ali gets pounded mercifully for 10 rounds before his corner finally throws in the towel. 1983, wide receiver Art Monk begins an NFL streak of 183 consecutive games with a reception in Washington's 37-35 win over the Raiders. Also in 83, the Green Bay Packers erupt for an NFL record 49 points in the first half, 35 in the second quarter to clobber the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 55-14 at Tampa Stadium. 1984, due to a strike by MLB umpires, the first four NLCS games are played with replacement umpires. Game one today, the Cubs beat the San Diego Padres 13-0. 1985, Detroit first baseman Darrell Evans hits home run number 40 in the Tigers' 4-2 win over the Blue Jays. He's the first to record 40-plus home runs in a major league season in both leagues. 1988, the Minnesota Twins told of 3 million fans in attendance at the Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome. It's the first American League club to ever break the 3 million bar- mark 
in an MLB season. Also in 88, future world heavyweight boxing champ Lennox Lewis, representing Canada, wins the super heavyweight gold medal at the Seoul Olympics, beats American Riddick Bowe by second round TKO. 1991, the Toronto Blue Jays clinched the American League East title with a 6-5 win over the Angels. They become the first sports franchise in history to draw 4 million fans in one season. 2004, Rice and San Jose State playing the highest scoring regulation game in Division I history with the Spartans winning 70 to 63. The 133 points surpassed a total for Middle Tennessee's 70 to 58 win over Idaho on October 6, 2001. Schools combined for 19 touchdown to break, touchdowns to break the NCAA Division I record of 18. 2004, the Montreal Expos earned the last win in the franchise history, beating the New York Mets 6-3. Brad Wilkerson hits the Expos' final home run in the ninth inning, his 32nd of the year. 2005, the NFL plays its first regular season game outside of the U.S. when the Arizona Cardinals beat the San Francisco 49ers 31-14 in Mexico City. 2009, the International Olympic Committee votes to award Rio de Janeiro the rights to host the 2016 Summer Olympics and Paralympics. 2011, the Dallas Cowboys have their largest lead blown in a loss in franchise history, frittering away a 24-point third-quarter cushion and a 34-30 loss to Detroit. The Lions turned a 20-point halftime deficit into an overtime win at Minnesota the previous week. And finally, in 2016, veteran broadcaster Vin Scully calls his final Dodgers game a 7-1 loss in San Francisco after a record 67 major league seasons happy birthday today to former washington quarterback mark rippon he's 61 nascar driver ricky stenhouse jr is 36 and former owasso and ou standout aaron colvin is 32 today and that's a look at this day in sports history at a 706 here on the blitz 1170 it's a monday drive to work looking around 68 degrees and getting near that 90 degree rate today so it's going to be nice outside today before it cools off a little a little later on still to come lauren montgomery from bixby today at 7 30 and about an hour from now john walker from the stillwater news press as we cover oklahoma state and mike boynton from osu at 8 30 in the meantime how about around sports well first of all if you don't have a winning lottery ticket, don't worry. You are not alone. The lottery is now up. The Powerball, $1.04 billion. Numbers drawn Saturday were not it, so they will have a um, jackpot. That If the sole winner uh, you know, wins, you're looking at oh, $480 million or so. Think you could live on that there, Scott File? I think you could scrape by. I could find a way. You yeah. could probably get a can of spam on that. Yeah, you might be able to. Uh, the, I think the drawing, isn't another drawing tonight on this one, or is it Tuesday? Uh, anyway, you got to. I think the drawing's tonight, actually. I, yeah, I think it is. I think you got to get over there and get that one. Uh, you know, every now and then we have this ranking of the best party schools in America, and we have the ranking out again. This is done by the Wall Street Journal now. If I were to ask you, have you seen the story, Scott, already? No, I have not. All right, then I will ask you guess, best party school in America. Uh, I'll go Arizona State. You know, that's a good guess, and Oklahoma State's been in there before as well. Actually, the top 10 party colleges in America are mostly. Small private Christian institutions. <laughs> and I'm not laughing. <laughs> There's just a duck. Uh, anyway, yeah, all right, forget it. Just laughing at the irony of The it. irony, yes. Indiana University, Pennsylvania, main campus. That is number one, according to them. Now, they went through a lot of things here. They went through um, uh, they went through the amount of alcohol that's taken in in a weekend, and they, they went through a lot of metrics to do this. Number two. Of course, if you're at Indiana University of Pennsylvania, what else is there to do? That might be the case. I don't know. I've not been that one. And number two, Texas Christian University. Number three, Birmingham Southern College. Number four, James Madison. Oh, yeah. 
And they're on the rise. Number five, Tarleton State. The alma mater of my son and Philip Montgomery, Tarleton State University in Texas. Number six, Savannah State. Number seven, Tulane. Well, yeah, it's New Orleans. Come on. Number eight, Washington. I'm surprised Tulane's not higher. higher yeah. Number eight, Washington and Lee. Number nine, University of Dayton. <laughs> well, you have to drink to be in Dayton. And number 10, Alcorn State University. Those are the best party schools in America. And, you know, normally this kind of a story would start with a Florida man or a Florida woman. In this case, a Vanita Park, Missouri woman has been charged with felony assault because she was just driving down the highway. The problem is her hood ornament was her husband. He was hanging on to the Which front. Which tends to happen it, sometimes. It, well, he was hanging on to the front of a car after an argument, and she just got in and said, I'm done with it. Had enough. And away goes Stephanie Boyd. She has a first-degree domestic assault and a resisting arrest charge now. And by the way, another Missouri woman was seen crashing her car into other cars, causing a problem, causing a four-car crash. And she's uh, apparently already just visibly intoxicated. Yet as the police come, they can't find her. And, Scott, what she had done is she'd gone over to a gas station and she had bought yet another adult beverage. <laughs> Why not? She was not getting If you're going to wait to get arrested, you might uh, as well pop a cold one. Fortunately, and... nobody was hurt or it wouldn't be funny that they go over to find her. Hey, where's the woman who caused this? She's right over there. Knocking back one other one. And a third woman from Missouri, because, yes, that's the way you have to do it. Here's a teacher who didn't going to be able to teach in the job she's had before now because it turns out they found out that she has an OnlyFans account or a fans-only account, whichever one, you, whichever one you say that. I'm not sure. This This teacher was just, you know, doing her job when somebody said, hey, don't you look like and here's my thing scott who brought this up who went to somebody else and said you know i know that the woman teaching history here also has you know it was some parent some dad was like hey i just had a parent teacher conference with her but right but who's he going to tell because then that shows that you that person he told all the other parents all the other dads, right? But at that, but who's going to go forward and say, "Look, I go, I, I pay for this woman's service. It's ten bucks a month, I guess, for this OnlyFans account." And so somebody had to go tell somebody else, which means they had to admit they were looking at that account before they go make somebody else aware. So which parent, which of these, you know, fleece white parents who are going to be all upset about this, went first to make this known? That had to be somewhat uncomfortable. Now, the woman, by the way, said she was just, and she's a mother of a, of two, said she was just trying to kind of up her salary. She makes $42,000 as a teacher. Give me a guess, Scott File. What do you think she's making on her OnlyFans account per month? <sighs> per month, uh, I'll say $2,000. Eight to ten grand. Whew. At $10, apparently, according to this, at yeah, I'm sure she's going to be making more now with all this notoriety. Yeah, and they said, well, you know you can't teach anymore. She said, yeah, fine, I'll get over it. <laughs> I just want to know how that conversation went for that first person, I'm just assuming it's a guy, who went over and said, 
you know, I think I recognize her because somewhere along the way, someone's going to go, wait a minute, how do you? I'm just saying. It's 8-12 on the Blitz 1170. And that's a look around sports, if you will. We'll get back to sports when we come back. We'll get into some NFL from the weekend and the most surprising college games. There were some really surprising college football games. Love to have your input at 918-262-5072. I'm Rick Corey. Do not have an OnlyFans account. He is Scott File. Definitely doesn't have an OnlyFans account. We are not hosts of any of those things. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.